Hello and welcome to Jumpstart Weekly, the weekly Shonen Jump manga podcast. I'm your host, Jeremy. And I'm your host, Kevin. Every week we read every chapter in Viz's weekly Shonen Jump chapters. It's really hard to do this now that they don't have a magazine anymore. I don't know what to call them. And then we read something else, and this week we read Volume 1 of Prince of Tennis, another Shonen Jump manga. Although I don't know if it's on Viz's website. I don't remember seeing it. I do not think it is available for digital on Viz's website. Okay, you I can buy either. pretty much anything through their store. They generally have links to like here. You can get it from Amazon or Barnes and Noble, but I don't think they have a digital copy of it. I didn't go looking all that hard. All right, well, Prince of Tennis. It's something you might have heard of if you're like me, watched Toonami on Saturday nights back in the day. Yep. Although I never actually watched Prince of Tennis. I watched a couple episodes of Prince of Tennis. All right, shall we get right into it then? Let's do it. We start with We Never Learned, question 106, a visit is a crisis for the X, which is the celebratory chapter for the anime starting. Yeah. Did it already start or is it coming this week? I it already started. Soon. I okay. actually watched episode one. I need to. Yeah. Demon Slayer has also started. I have not had a chance to watch that one yet. So yeah, I'm excited for both of those. I have to watch those and also catch up on Promised Neverland, which I fell behind on like five weeks ago. Same. Although that one's not continuing. So like well, it's not currently in season, you mean? Yeah, that's what I meant by not continuing. They have a couple of continuing titles, like Rising of the Shield Hero is actually still going. It got more than just the 12 or 13 episodes yeah. that a lot of things did. So so we never learn. I just have shenanigans written down a lot. Like, that would remind me what was happening, but this is we never learned. So Yeah. So we start with the reason of why his teacher is naked in his house, which is his sister somehow spilled a bunch of food on her. It was food or water or something. But anyway, she's like, I got to go buy you clean underwear, so you take a shower and stay here. I'll be back. Yep. So then his mom shows up and is like, why is there a mostly naked teacher here with you? Oh, my God, you must be in a relationship. Shenanigans. Well, and she also knows who his sensei is. It's like That's true, because she has come to pay respects to their late father. Yeah, and so we get the confirmation that she was Yugia's dad's student. Yes. And uh, she felt she had never come by before because she felt she had kind of failed him in choosing to abandon her figure skating dreams, even though now she kind of has this feeling that maybe this is what he was talking about all along. Yeah. And she's decided she's going to start coaching the girls figure skating team at school. Yeah. To help them and like confront that part of her past. Yep. And so Yugi is like, Mom, there's something I got to tell you. And she's like, oh, my God, they're going to confess their love. At le- and she's like, at least finish high school first. Yeah, in the middle of him being like, I am I want to get into an education university. She's like, at least finish high school first. And you guys <laughs> like, what? Also, we find out that all of the characters are outside listening in. Yes. Including his senpai. And I don't know why she's there. But I actually liked the fact that they yada yada their way through that. They were literally like... In the weirdest cases of coincidence, I happened to be walking by his house and heard the terms impure uh, impure and improper behavior. So I called everybody over because they thought, I think it's Mayafu Sensei, was going to be expelling Yugi or something like that. They're like, oh, that's all it was. And, yeah, and they're all like, oh man, that time we got into shenanigans. She found out about it. Yes. Because each one has a different time they got into shenanigans. Yes, exactly. And I do like 
all the shenanigans flashbacks. Especially, I, this is a Japanese thing, but my thought was just like, most of these didn't actually happen at school. Yes. Although I've also gotten in trouble at school for things that did not happen at school back when I was in school. So Yeah, it does happen. Just usually, usually lead to expulsion. No. So then they all kind of plot in as the door cannot bear their weight. Yep. Well, also his brother and sister were really pushing on the door. Yeah. Her his mom's like, okay, your dad left us this money for an emergency, so you can have it to go into education, because I know you've been working all these odd jobs, so I know you understand the value of money. Yep. And how difficult it is to acquire. So, like, here you go. And he's like, no, I can't use this. This is for, like, an emergency. Yeah. I can't use it to be greedy. And then his... Bro- I can't use it for such a selfish reason. And his younger siblings come in and tell him, hey, no, you should use it, because we want you to be happy. Yeah, and his mom says a parent cannot be happy if their children aren't happy. Yes. So then the rest of the cast plots in, and his mom's, like, overwhelmed. It's like, oh, my God, so many potential brides. I really like that it's not a full two-page spread, but it's a two-page spread of all of them in wedding gowns. Yeah, and I like that his senpai is, like, super into it and, like, giving him shit in the fantasy, even. (laughs) Yes. I really like that panel. It's good. It's also the color panel they use at the front to promote the anime coming out. Yes. And it is a very good panel. And then so we end on a brick joke of, where did my sister go? And she's passed out because she's overwhelmed at how many rivals she has. Yes. Which is not bad. It's pretty standard we never learned, but pretty standard we never learned is still pretty good. Yeah, I really like this week's chapter. The color panel actually did a lot for it, I think. Yeah, the whole, because it wasn't just the color panel, they also had a colorized... Like first page, or it wasn't the first page of the manga, but it was the like a anime celebration thing. So I had the characters talking about it, which brings us to the last Sayuki chapter six siblings, which I hope gets an anime one day. I, I mean, act- it's brand new, so we got to give it some time. Oh yeah, no, definitely no time soon. I really like this chapter. What did you think, Kevin? I like this chapter too. I mostly like the end of it, where it's like, oh, by the way, we're stuff's hitting the fan right away. There's no time to catch your breath. I definitely liked that. I also liked the beginning with his dad being, Ryanosuke's dad being like, all right, it's time to start the procedure. And then something eating his friend. And Ryanosuke being like, ah, ah. (laughs) Anyway, to slow somebody's move, basically you have to convince them that monsters aren't real. So he has a white Baku eat his recent memories and make him think they are dreams. And then implant false memories. Yeah. He said the other way to do it is to have it is happen to- like what Ryunosuke did, where have them defeat the fear themselves. Then they have the, as long as they don't feel fear anymore because they have defeated it, it won't come back. And even if it does, they'll be able to fight it kind of thing. But he's like, that's really hard to pull off and very dangerous to do. So we've got to do this erasing their memories thing. Uh Yeah. And so they send off Ryanosuke's friend, and he's like, hey, I my, my dream, I had the same feeling as when I met you. It was weird. Yeah, they also mentioned that the feelings that he felt are still there. Like, he cannot, the white moo can't manipulate it. It can only manipulate the memories. So there's still a chance that he could relapse kind of thing. Like, it, it helps, but it's not a perfect, oh, I just use this and he's totally fine. So then Ryunosuke's talking with his dad about, like, defeating the chaos cult so his sister can have friends. Yeah, he's like, oh, if they're all gone, then she can go outside, right? And then Sai is there, the little kid who 
it reveals he's the one who told them all the stories, which obviously. Yes. But, and he cuts off Ryunosuke's dad's hand. Like with Maybe, a sneak attack, it, it, he definitely cuts it off, but his dad pl- downplays it like it's totally fine. Yeah, there's and we don't see blood either. We don't see blood. Just be a PG thing, but yeah, but I mean, he's not even clutching at it. Like he's literally like Rinosuke, calm down. It's only an arm, <laughs> so I don't know if he like has the ability to grow it back or it was some weird spirit thing and it's not actually gone. Who knows? Or if he's just very chill in the face of losing an arm. Yeah, eh, I didn't like that arm anyway. It itched. That's why I was like, yeah, give me back my sister, you jerks. So, yeah, I really like how quickly this escalated. Because, like you, I was expecting us to get stories with those other three boys. Yeah, like a kind of... at least Monster of the week for a bit. Yeah, or at least a mo- at least one chapter of montage of them dealing with it. Yeah. So, I really like how quickly this escalated. Yeah. Which brings us to my hero, Academia, number 223, Cockroaches. Which is kind of a weird title in hindsight. It's not a bad title. It's just... Yeah, it's a little weird. So they've been fighting Gigantimachia for a month and a half, and Tomura's been smiling the entire time, and he's convinced he's getting closer and closer. Yes. But they haven't really been able to stop him at all. No, Gigantimachia fights for 40... No, is it four days and four hours? Yeah, something like that. And, and then we'll take a nap for three hours, and then immediately start fighting again. Like, Tomura can't get away from him even while he's napping. And since they can't, uh, essentially, since they can't beat him in one punch, he'll wake up from his nap and keep fighting. And he only focuses on Tomura, so the others have been, like, rotating out to go do stuff. Yeah, slash help him fight. They're taking fight Gigantimachia's shifts. Yes. So then, Redestro, a.k.a. the Monarch in my notes, calls them. Is like, hey, I finally got this asshole's uh, contact information he deleted. You should watch the news. Yes. And so they turn on the news, and... He has been leaving the weapon dealer, who, or I guess weapon dealer is basically the... Yeah, the close enough. He's been leaving his fingers everywhere where the League of Villains has acted so far. Not just his fingers, because he also left like a shirt and his sunglasses. And he's like, hey, we're the Liberation Army. We have 100,000 members. He gives a more exact number. But... It's over 100,000 members. Yes. Because at first they call him like a little uh, ragtag rebellion and he's like please we have over a hundred thousand members spread all over the globe and we see some of them are like other ceos like him one of them's like a big film director so they're like in a bunch of positions of power to be able to do stuff and he's like yeah we have your coordinates now because we've traced this call so either you can come have a fight with us and we will murder you and show it to everybody to show your small fries and we're the real liberation or we can send a bunch of heroes after you your call yep but either way I need to be the face of the liberation, so you need to go away. You've gotten too big for your britches. Yep. Which I, I've been kind of critical of this little villain arc, but giving it an actual antagonist makes it a lot more exciting to me. Yes. Even though he's been introduced and set up, and I liked that. Now that like we can see Tomura have this conflict, and the good thing about Tomura, he's kind of a like he's a whiny bitch of a character. Yes. The reason that's good is because he's such a good contrast to Deku, who is just the best boy. Yes. So, like, seeing some of Deku come out in him and he gets excited by this and, like, he just wants to improve himself yeah, is really nice and makes this arc more worth it, in my opinion. Yeah, well, it's because they're not mirrors of one another. They're, like, broken mirrors of one another. They're foils. Yeah. yeah. But, like, seeing some of Deku not rub off on him exactly, but seeing him come more into that is nice 
change. And it is kind of cool that the villains have to upgrade along with the heroes. Yeah. And it's nice to see that because obviously that happens most of the time there are recurring villains like that, but it's nice to see the fact that it's like the villains have to put in just as much work. They don't just take a nap and are suddenly better. Yeah, the only character I can think of, I'm sure there are others, but the only one I can think of right now that we see this with is Vegeta. And even then, we usually see him show up more powerful, and then we get flashbacks to to why he does it. Yeah, this is a weird case of we are getting to see it. We don't see him show up more powerful than a flashback to the training, or hey, I found this new monster, this new item that does something for me. So this is pretty cool. Then we get Demon Slayer chapter 153, pulled. Kind of a letdown after last week's Demon Slayer, just because a lot of times you get this in Weekly Shonen Jump. This is a much shorter, very transitiony chapter that I feel like came in under deadline. A little bit. I still like this chapter, though. It's not bad. It has some really good stuff, especially the start where we see the decapitated demon trying to put his head back on. Yes. And then the neck wounds like seals up, and apparently he has somehow changed where his weak spot is, and this headless body is fighting. Yes. And Tanjiro passes out from, I assume, more his exertion. Yeah. Killing the monster, or thinking he killed the demon, then... Yeah, he was the demon at one point did. he was like, oh, I've I pushed myself to my limit doing the viewing the transparent world. And it technically worked because I cut off his head, but he's still fighting. But like me as I am right now is too weak to continue on. Yeah. And then the cliffhanger at the end is a girl. Do we know who this is? I sure don't. I'm assuming it's a do it's someone from his past. Okay, I was too, but I was wondering is that because we someone... ha- we already had that one thing where he reacted to memories of his past, like in real life. So I'm assuming what's going to happen is his body goes to throw a punch, and then the arm gets pulled back, and even Gin is like, "Uh, what's going on here?" I also assumed that I was just wondering if this was a real reveal that someone we knew was involved in with him in the past. No, I I don't think it's someone we know. Anyway, she's pulling his arm back and is like, hey, that's enough. Yeah. Stop. Be chill. And speaking of chill, that's a terrible transition. Next, we have Black Clover 200, World of Light. We also have Dr. Stone number 100 in here, which we're not going to talk about. Yeah. I picked Black Clover. So what did you think of this chapter, Kevin? Because I feel like I've been real hype on Black Clover the last couple of weeks and you not so much. Yeah, this, again, it wasn't super great for me like i still did like it but it just it didn't i'm not saying that it felt rote i was just like yep this is this part of the episode yeah yeah there's definitely some of that basically this chapter is asked to using his sword to try to turn the elf that just tried to murder them back into captain vengeance yes who, is who he was possessing and then he just sees the elf's memories and he's like hey don't give up shonen anime stuff yes I didn't think it was super great either. Black Clover is often like a base unit of shonen for me. Yeah. It's like, would you like some shonen without any of the stuff that's going to make you jump and pump your fists and spin around in your chair? Here's some Black Clover for you. Yeah. It's not Naruto or One Piece or Dragon Ball, but it'll get you there. Yeah. If you I mean, need a like, fix. like I said, it's good. It just, I liked a lot of the other stuff more. Me too as we will get to when I get to our rankings, but you took the one I wanted to actually talk about, so yeah, I had to make do. I was thinking that might happen, that I was like, I should get this out before Jeremy has a chance <laughs> and, to, so that I, I don't to have to. Something. Yeah. I just have to stare at this list of stuff and be like, do I want to talk about any of this? Yeah, because I have been falling behind on the monthlies. And so have I. Up. I've read a couple of them, but I knew I read Dragon Ball Super, and 
I guess I need to read Ruby. Uh, I mean, maybe. Which brings us to Chainsaw Man Chapter 17, Kill Denji, which yes. is a good title name, but not maybe the best chapter either. It's not a bad chapter. Certainly, I like the cliffhanger. It's got a strong ending. Yes. But it's kind of what you expect. Yep. Where he's like, kill Denji, and all the scrubs without names are like, I think we should do it. And then the two people who have names are like, I don't, except Power, who's like, I am also on Team Kill Denji. I, I like that that's her literal line. I am also on Team Kill Denji. And Denji's like, of course you are. Yeah. I liked her line of, she's like, I've got this great Nobel Prize idea, but I can't do it if I can't get out of here. Die for my Nobel Prize. That was good. Yeah, and so Aki can't use his fox because it comes from somewhere else and they're sealed off, basically. Yes. And Denji's like, no, he won't do it. But they're like, no, he used the word contract. If a devil offers you a contract and you fulfill your part, he has to fulfill his part. Yes. But clearly, since he's willing to get let us all go to kill Denji, we can't let him kill Denji. Yeah, because they're like, so they mentioned that Aki's sword has some ability to do something. Well, he says, if worse comes to worse, I'll use the sword. And then his captain's like, no, you will not, no matter what happens. Yeah. So I'm feeling like that's going to be a thing that will show up later. But we at least know his sword is not just a sword. It's yes. something cool. And so the devil's like, I am an eternity devil. You are literally in my stomach. You cannot escape unless you take my deal. Unless you take my, my deal. My weak spot is not in my stomach. Yes. Uh, and then he starts like, I don't want to say horror movie dreaming the hotel, but he like tilts it on its end. Yeah. And, and he- there's a giant mouth at like the edge of the building or the edge of the hall end of the hallway. And he's like, yes, fear me, because the more you fear, the stronger I get, which I think is true of all devils they've kind of hinted at. Yeah. Which is a bit I like. And it's a pretty good cliffhanger, but also it's just a transition to chapter. It's kind of what you expect, even yeah. though the power bit is pretty funny. Yeah, the power bit's pretty funny. And I like that the two demon hunters, the like actual demon hunters, are like, no, we're not going to give him what he wants. He's a devil. There's got to be some reason he's willing to let us all go to kill Denji as opposed to just wiping all of us out. So clearly there's something we can do. But if worst case comes, she, but she does say, if it comes to the worst, we're going to murder you to try and save our butts. <laughs> yes. Which brings us to the chapter you wanted to talk about, Act Age, Scene 60, Festival Day. Yeah. So I really liked the message at the end of this, but... Act Age starts off with they have gotten the other girl in the cinema club. Is Hina Asahi. Hina is operating a boom mic for them <laughs> while they're filming. And also yelling at people to go away. Yeah, she's like, wow, she's also operating the boom mic and working crowd control. Nice. Or she's like, thank you very much, Asahi. And she's like, hey, we're part of the same club. She's like, all right, way to go, Hina. And her she's bu- like, it, it, the director's like, oh, wow, that was that was a quick turnaround. Yeah. Maybe not so fast. Yeah, but I, she is an actress. But yeah. they also mentioned that like she's smiling, but she's not supposed to be smiling in this scene. And he's like, no, seriously, stop smiling. Like, I, I get you're happy right now, but stop smiling. I need to get the shot. You need to act. You're good at it. Yes. <laughs> so festival day comes, and initially uh, there's a giant crowd in front of the festival because it's just a random school festival. But they were trying to get do a kind of quiet in-school social media campaign to get people interested in the film. But somebody, who we later find out is that PR guy, leaked who she was. So, like, 
ordinary people found out who are fans of her found out there's going to be a film showing of her at this festival so they show up to the festival and all the school people are like uh we can't let all of these random people into the school festival like we're over capacity so the safest thing to do is to cancel your film screening that way all the people that are showing up to just see the film will go home yeah so they're all kind of bummed out about it especially the director but then Ryoma, the other guy in the Sima Club, like just ends up on the roof with a projector and just kind of projects it out at night. Yeah. Well, we have. So he's looking at the three of them earlier in the chapter and he's like, there's three types of people. Yeah. It's the people who have made a choice. Well, he says it's people who try. That's right. People who want to try and people who can't try, according to him, which I think is a very narrow worldview. But it tells us a lot about his. Yeah, position. and I liked his, so he's projecting the film onto the side of the building, and so we get to see, the school gets to see the film, and main actress's name. You know, you think I would have written her on her name, but I just trusted myself to remember, which was not a good choice on my part. Actress lady. No <laughs> personality actress lady. She's got a personality, that's the whole point. If she didn't have a personality. Yeah, no. Yonagi. Her name is Yonagi. Yonagi runs up to the roof and she finds Ryoma? Ryoma, yes. Up there and he tells her, he kind of poses the question to her, or he leads it off with, so I used to be a big, I was a big sports star. Well, first he's like, hey, lock the door behind you. I should have done that. They'll come stop us. Yeah, the teachers will come stop us. And then he's like, hey, you want to go out with me now? See, I'm actually a decent guy. She's like, nope, promise I wouldn't. Yep. <laughs> Which I really like that reply. But then he's then he goes into what you're talking about. Yeah, so he's like, I used to be a big actress or actress. I used to be a big athlete with the team, you know, I had hopes of getting a scholarship and I think he says specifically the baseball team. Yeah. I, I'm assuming it had been said at least sometime before. I don't remember if it was mentioned in this. But he's like, But I got an injury and can't do anything. So the question I want to ask you is how would you feel if you could no longer act? Yeah. Like who would you be? And it, she kind of starts thinking about that because he's like, that's essentially what happened to me. I was the baseball guy. Now I cannot baseball. Yes. Uh, and she like doesn't quite have like a blue screen of death moment, but the cliffhanger is her trying to process that. Yeah. And she's clearly thinking very hard about it. And I I just I really like that cliffhanger ending and the question posed of like, if you defined yourself as this thing and can no longer do it, who are you? Yeah. And I like that. That's also the broader theme of the arc. Yes. That's what her manager sent her here to do, because he's like, you have nothing about acting and you need something else. Yeah. So, yeah, it was just really solid. Which, speaking of solid, that brings us to the Promised Neverland, chapter 130, Something to Report, which is also a pretty slow transitioning chapter, but I liked it a lot more just because the emotions in Promised Neverland are always super intense. Yeah. Well, you like Emma and I do Ray. like Emma a lot. You I like Emma and Ray a lot more than just Norman, but I, I also like this chapter, but... I could tell when you were ranking last week, so it was like, well, I mean, Emma and Ray were in it, so like, I wasn't that into it. Yeah, I think it's mostly Emma. I do like Ray as well, but I like Ray as a contrast to Emma. Yeah, it's because Ray, Ray definitely doesn't have no personality, but he's the quiet one, and that's always tricky. Yeah, well, that's the big thing is it's usually Emma and Ray. Like, just Ray by himself isn't super great. It's like Emma and Ray. I mean, Emma by herself does good, but I think when she has Ray to bounce off of, it does better. Yeah, 
So anyway, Emma's just telling the rest of the kids, hey, I'm going to the seventh walls. Seven walls? Seven walls. Seven walls. Because I don't want to murder all the demons. Sorry. I tried to keep it in, but I can't. And we see all the various kids like reacting in different ways. Some of them feel guilty for wanting to kill all the demons. Some of them are like, I understand that, and I don't want to kill your friends, but I do want to kill all the demons. Yeah, I really like Don's reaction where he was like, I knew this was in you the whole time. Like, yeah. I knew this was your plan. And then they're like, okay, so we're going off. And the girl whose name I can never remember, who's just a little younger than them. The one with the glasses? Yes. Gilda. Gilda is like, hey, you have to promise me you're coming back, even if you don't know. Like, you just have to promise me, even if you're lying. Yes. Well, and I like Emma's response of, well, I'm not going to lie to you, but I promise I will come back. Yes. And so apparently they need to do some blood ritual to get there. I assume this is stuff that, as an audience member, I should know already. Uh, we do not. Oh, we okay. Because they've never, they like figured out how, but they've obviously never attempted it. Gotcha. Just like they read it in a book somewhere. Yeah. I think they actually, they found it like in a temple kind of thing like a, a picture wall of like this is how you do it gotcha okay which is a pretty exciting cliffhanger yeah and brings us to hellward and higgama chapter 15 finding resolve part two which is all flashback which is pretty much what we expected and yes i didn't mind it it's mostly about higama's aunt and like higama's relationship with her yeah how he like keeps going over to her place and he's like oh, i like it when you play piano and i don't mind the smell of you smoking yeah well then i like her being like I haven't been particularly nice to this kid. Why is he hanging out here? Your dad threatened to take you on another mission again, didn't he? He was like, yeah. So, like, like, that's why he likes hanging out here is his dad isn't here. Yeah. We found out his aunt is a especially powerful hell warden, and she can go to this, like, in-between spot where all the fugitives hang out. Yeah, it's like the black dimension or something like that. Yeah, they say it's basically similar to when they go to train with King Enma, yes. but it's a different version of that. And it's one of the few places that, like, King Enma can't see them. Yeah, they hint that there's another giant spiritual entity that is just dust, but once every couple centuries, he can reform himself, and that's how they can communicate, but then he, like, gets scattered into dust again by something, I'm assuming. Yeah, maybe a Hellward, or maybe, maybe a Hellward, happens. Or maybe, King, yeah, maybe it just happens. Maybe it's part of, like, his cycle, but because his dust is there, it's still his domain, and so Enma doesn't have any eyes. And so basically she's making a deal with this fugitive spirit and he's like, hey, bring me these scrolls and I will go kill King Enma and then he will not be able to keep you under this threat anymore and yep. Higuma will be safe. He doesn't say that, but clearly that's what she's thinking. Yeah. And so she goes to her brother and is like, hey, I need these scrolls. I know King Enma can hear me saying this now, so we need to act fast. And there's this actual really good bit where he's like the smoke on you smells different it doesn't just smell like cigarettes and also what are you crazy like we're yeah. not just doing this because of king enmo we have our own personal reasons don't you remember yeah like are you being mind controlled because you would never do this without at least talking to me yeah and then we get hints that the one devil that she was talking to escape spirit like soul. he has smoke powers that amplify someone's desire yeah, well, at least that's one of the forms of his smoke powers. Yeah, and he's like, they would never work in the real world on a Hell Warden, but because she came to this in-between realm. Well, it wasn't that they would never work on a Hell Warden. It's just she was too strong to work on in the real world. But here, because my powers are amplified and hers are dampened, I can make it work. Yeah. And then she gets sneak attacked, and that's the cliffhanger. Yes. Lots of cliffhangers in Shonen manga are just sneak attack. Yes. We also have, she was holding Higama. 
while she got stabbed in the back. And so Higuma constantly plays that scene back in his memory because he was like, hey, aunt, what's going on? And that's when she got stabbed. So like she's the end panel is him being thrown, looking back at her being stabbed in the back by the Molten. Yeah, I can never remember his real name. Copper guy. I, the Molten's a really cool tagline. So, yeah. you know, I'm going to stick with that. Um, last but not least, that leads us to Food Wars Chapter 306, Two Birds with One Stone. Just real quick, I really like the cover on this one. Yes. It's like Soma in a GI uniform in a trench with Saiba over him. And Saiba has control of like 20 artillery cannons pointed at Soma. Yeah. It's very metaphor. And that's where Food Wars is at its best. Yes. So this chapter is, again, more or less what you expect. Like we speculated last week, Saiba is using different knives crossed with Joichiro's yes. for each cuisine. Although there's this, well, it first starts with all the old judges being like, wait, you kids know Jerichiro to the police store? Yeah, dorms? he's like the most, he's like, he's the one of the most legendary cooking heroes of all time that just vanished. And they're like, yeah, sort of? Yeah. He's our friend's dad? Well, I mean, they have met him. Yeah, he's like, sometimes he comes to hang out at our dorm? Yeah. Well, and like, they, they trained with him on the train. Yeah. Well, not all of them. Not all of them, but, like, they were there. I'm yeah. assuming they interacted with him. Like, it wasn't just, I'm going to say in this car, you guys cannot hang out with me For Megami and Todoroki, yes, but the rest of them. Yeah, the rest of them hadn't. Yeah, and that's mostly who's talking. I guess. I so then we get this amazing panel of Saiba just doing all these different cooking. He's like, yes, this utensil from this guy, and this one from that lady. Yes, all of their power is making me stronger, and it's super shonen anime, basically this yes. like spirit bomb panel, and there's this amazing splash page of Saiba cooking with everyone uh, in the background smiling at yeah, him. Yeah, like, I couldn't have done it without your guys' help. And then the next page is this super meta thing where one of the Polar Star Dorm guys is like, we don't know who any of these people are, so it's hard to get emotionally invested in this. Yeah, and how <laughs> dare you make us, Im or how dare you have a full-page splash panel like, like you're, you're the main character or something. <laughs> yeah, I really liked that bit. And then the next panel is even better, in my opinion, because it's his minions being like, yeah, but he, like, tricked all those dudes and beat them up to get all their powers. Yeah, so. there's no way they would say anything <laughs> like that to him. Yeah, it's very, very good. Yeah, and so we get a, a little explanation of why he's able to do so well, and they're like, the intense amount, uh, or the intense training that the Totsuki students go through, Saiba kind of went through his own version, where he was going out and doing shokugekis without calling them that, but going out and battling people to gain their skills, which is kind of what happens to the Totsuki students. Yeah, but he can do it even faster, because if he beats them once and gets their utensil, then he just has their skills. Yes. And he's like, yeah, like, imagine, if you will, so if there was this great legendary chef who was wandering the cooking wasteland, but the storm overtook him, I can make much larger steps than him. Well, I think he was alluding to Jerichiro. Yeah, specifically, because we've seen that metaphor before. Yeah, so he was like, oh, the storm overtook him, but if that had happened to me, I could take much larger steps than that guy, so I could outpace the storm. Yeah, and again, this is the metaphor stuff that really makes Food Wars work, because yep. we get to see the sandstorm overtaking Jerichiro. But, like, Saiba just striding on. Yep. But then someone was like, oh, man, that's a relief. Like, it's just an amped up version of what I'm doing. Man, that that makes you actually way less scary. Yeah, because like, all I got to do is just keep plotting, not plotting along, but it's like I got to take each small, hard-earned step. I'm right behind you. 
Yeah, I just have like, to we're catch on up this, to you. Yeah, we're on the same path. It's not like I have to do some. You're doing something ridiculous. You're just doing a different version or a souped-up version of what I'm doing. Yeah, and I work very hard. That's my deal. Yes. So yeah, the it ends with like Soma and the sandstorm again. Metaphor stuff. It works really yes. well. But Soma appears behind him in the sandstorm, and I think the last line is like, "What's each small, hard-earned step?" Yeah, and Cyber's like, "Well, cash me if you can." Yes. So yeah, Food Wars is good. I don't know if you know that. Yeah, no, this was this was a really good chapter. Well, so I guess we'll see how it fares on our ranking. Yeah, in Jump Card. Jump card is the segment where we rank all the chapters we've read from our least favorite up to our favorite. So what do you have at number 16 on the bottom, Kevin? I have Haikyuu at the bottom. That's kind of what I was expecting, actually. I don't, but I yeah. mine's close to the bottom. The main reason for that is the reused panel image. So it's not quite the same panel, but it's two guys going in for a block or like a return. And it's it, like a couple of pages later, it's the same two guys going for a return in the exact same pose with like essentially just the camera position slightly differently. Like that's how it felt like, all right, we took a shot and then we cropped it and then we cropped it differently for this other panel, but it's the exact same shot. So that's really what drove it down because it's not something that I was looking super hard for. Like I was just kind of like casually reading through Haikyuu. It's not one of my favorite series and I'm not a huge fan of the art. But even that stood out to me like, I I saw this before, earlier in this chapter. I was very sleepy when I read Haikyuu, so I didn't notice. But I after he pointed it out, I checked it. It's absolutely true. But the bottom for me is Yui Camille Let's Loose. Yeah. Because like this is I've, a just it, very episodic chapter. It's my number 15, just to uh, get this out Haikyuu's of the way. my number 15, so we can kind right. of get these out real quickly. And like the jokes, they aren't terrible, but none of them really super will work no and like the status quo is just super weird and advanced here where yui's friend is like oh hey main character guy you can babysit yui for a while right yeah well and it's almost like she's shipping them which is weird yeah because she's like oh yeah i'm like you can come hang out and help me babysit but then she's like all right i gotta go do other stuff wink yeah and then like there's some kind of nice stuff with him where once he's alone with her, he realizes that he's been on lots of dates with girls, but they've all been group dates, and this is really intense. I don't think it was just that they've all been group dates. It's like, essentially, I had a bunch of girls ask me out, and yeah. so I wasn't as intimidated as this is the first time I've had essentially asked a girl out, like, I actually wanted to go on this, rather than, oh yeah, sure, I'll go do that. Yeah, um, and then Yui's friend comes back and is like, yeah, actually, lots of guys ask Yui out, and then it's way too intense for them, which is weird because Yui's just a block of wood. Yes. Like, I get it. She's super hot, but still. Anyway, then there's a monkey of shenanigans that shows up and takes the chain, and she fights a lion, and cool, I guess. Yeah, the, the lion fight was really weird because she tamed it by tying one of the chains to its mane, and that made it 
okay, I, mean, I that guess. kind of makes sense. That tracks. It does. It was just like, oh, okay. Yeah. I guess. Exactly. Yes, none of the jokes super well worked. And, like, Yui Kamiyo, I think, can be good if the jokes are good, and they just weren't. No. So, so now that we've got our 16 and 15s out of the way, my number 14 was Hell's Paradise. Hey, guess who's number 14 was also Hell's Paradise. Every time I read a <laughs> chapter and I'm like, and I just, I haven't found the time to get caught up. I'm like, there's more and more stuff where I'm just super confused what's going on. It's like, so they're throwing a lot at me and some of this seems cool, but also what? Like more stuff about Lord Tencent and this, I guess, is this ninja guy the main character? He sort of feels it right now. Yeah, but- I was like. Or maybe he's one of the main characters because it's maybe him and the samurai guy. Or maybe. are we just or focusing sam- on him for right now? Yeah. And like he's getting a lot of spotlight lately. Who who knows? He's come up with a way to fight the Lord Tenzin's maybe. It seems like a good plan. But well, the- and it also, Lord Tenzin might actually be one thing. And or- <laughs> it, it, So what I'm starting to think now is that this is like a weird translation thing. Like there is one Lord Tenzin. And then he's made either clones of himself or has some minions that he's given power to that are there also calling Lord Tensons. He's explicitly think... part plant, so maybe it's like a root system? Yes. like Or like a hive mind thing? I think you might be right, but I don't know. I think it's just a weird translation thing, because there's definitely been cases where they're talking about multiple Lord Tensons, and then other times where they're talking about we need to defeat Lord Tenson, like the singular entity. So that that does not help with my confusion when I'm like, I don't are they talking about one dude, a bunch of fall are like, are there a bunch of them? Has he figured out some way to multiply? So like there is only one Lord Tenson, but there's like six of him running around. Do we have a ball situation here? I don't know. But anyway, it's a, uh, it's not bad. It's just a lot and confusing. Yeah. So what do you got? Lucky 13. I have Neolation at 13. Okay, yeah, I put Neolation quite a bit higher, but this is much closer to the Neolation we don't like than the one I've been really liking the last couple of weeks. And I think that was a lot of the reason why it went down for me. So we have the birth of the fireball. Which, uh, to be fair, I like a lot more here where Neo has to work really hard at it, and it actually, like, it's a trick we've seen before, but yeah. it's done in not a realistic way, but a it's just fantasy enough way, I think, but it is something we don't like we're seeing again. Yeah, and it at the very least, it doesn't light the entire dude on fire. Like, literally, his phone just explodes in his pocket, and that distracts it, yeah, him long enough. Yeah, it's a enough. distraction. Yeah. As opposed to later on in the series, he can just literally light people on fire with it. But it was also the fact that it was like, and this is the end of the flashback sequence. Yeah. <sighs> Damn yeah. it. I'm going to talk more about my feelings when we get to it, because I put it up higher because it did make me feel feelings, yes. but... Yeah, definitely some back-on-its-bullshit stuff going on there. My number 13 is Jujutsu Kaisen. It's a baseball chapter, which I really like, but they don't really do anything with the magic baseball premise. No. Explicitly, only one member on each team can use their powers, which is fine, but again, they don't really do anything with it. They have the one girl playing an outfielder who can fly, so they're like, she can even catch. Oh, that would totally be a home run, and she just like flies over and catches it. Like, no, it's not. Yeah, it's just a de-escalation chapter, and there's some stuff I like. We get to see each character. Um, Dr. Stone this week actually does a lot of similar things, where I think this is actually a pretty decent like reintroduction Yeah, before a new arc, but it didn't really do anything for me. No. Because I'm not a Jujutsu Kaisen guy. Yeah, my number 12 was Jujutsu Kaisen for a lot of the same reasons. Like, they didn't do anything really cool with the baseball thing. Like, they had... One team had a pitching machine... Instead of a person pitching and Toto didn't do anything cool with his swap powers. 
Like, I think it would have been way cooler to see all of them using their jujitsu powers to play baseball as opposed to like, no, we just got to play regular baseball because the, the main character who I still don't remember his name has like a ridiculous physical ability. So he hits a home run at the end and it's like, yeah, because I'm really good. I have like a really high physical gift. So all you guys who it's not that they only focus on jujitsu sorcery, but it's like all you guys who focus on that won't be able to beat me when I'm not using my powers. And you are not using your powers either. So, yeah, just not... There was some background stuff going on about the teachers or the principals deciding what's going to happen after the competition and kind of how things are progressing. But it's really just like, we're going to play baseball as a transition into a new arc now that the battle is done. My number 12 is Dr. Stone. It actually, like I said just a minute ago, had a very similar feeling to the Jujutsu Kaisen chapter to me. It's basically Ryoma saying, hey, here's everyone I want on the boat. And it's kind of just an introduction or a reintroduction to every character and what their deal is. Pretty much, yeah. Which is someone who has to jump on here in the middle. I do really appreciate, especially with a new arc starting. It is chapter 100, and so that's kind of disappointing to get in a chapter 100. But I don't know how much they focus on that. They don't, really, but... Well, I mean, like, just Japanese manga artists in general. Like, I know some do, but I think that's more of, like, a Western influence of, like, making a... Getting a comic to Chapter 100 is a much bigger deal than... Because 100 is just over two years in manga, or just under, because you're probably going to miss a couple weeks. Yeah. Whereas 100 in American comics is uh, five... Not even five years. Five years is 60. um, Is almost 10 years, so... Yeah, so I think it's just a... It's a scale thing of like, like for we never learn. It was the their big deal was the anime. Uh, the anime coming. Like, hey, right, we got the official launch of the anime, or we have, hey, we have got my new volume came out, so they might have a special page, but they don't really do. Well, it's much more advertising than celebratory. Yeah, that and I could also see it being kind of difficult to kind of like, all right, so here's how I'm going to plan out what I'm writing, and then eventually, like, oh, this is chapter one hundred. Well. I can't really shoehorn in something funny. You are more constrained by story pace. Yeah. What do you have at number 11? I have Dr. Stone at number 11. So, like you said, not, again, for me, it's kind of just the same Dr. Stone. I was like, not amazing, but not terrible. It's just kind of good in the middle. I liked the the kind of squirrely guy that jumps on the boat at the end. I don't remember his name. Yeah, I don't either, but... Who, but, like, says, no, I don't want to go, and then changes his mind. Well, and he changes, he, pretend, essentially what he's doing is pretending to change his mind, because he's like, oh, I'll swim after the boat, but I won't, obviously, I won't be able to make it, and they won't be able to hear me, so I'll swim back to shore, and everyone will think of yeah. me better, that I was like, oh, I had changed my mind, but unfortunately, it was too late. And so he has this image of himself with this sweet beard with a couple of the the ladies that are staying behind, consoling him. Yeah. And then Senku obviously thought of that. He was like, hey, turn the sonar to the rear. And they're like, why? Oh, hey, look, we got a blip. Oh, hey, look, someone's in the water. And they go rescue him. And he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> I made it on the boat. Also, I forgot to mention there's the bit where we find out they are keeping the two villains of the last arc on the boat as prisoners. Yeah, I did like them. I think it's Kohaku is like, 
I'm kind of concerned that we're leaving some of our best warriors or the prisoners were are staying here and we're leaving some taking some of our best warriors with us. Senko's like, nope, the prisoners are over there on the boat already. It's not that much of a hassle to bring them in a cage. Yeah. Also, we might need them. They're strong dudes. If yeah. I've watched a shonen anime, we'll probably need them. Yep. So my number 11 is Chainsaw Man. Like I said, it was just kind of a fine chapter. The power joke is good. In the overall story, it reads fine. But as a chapter, it's nothing stand out. I got you. My number 10. 10 is Black Clover, because, like I said, it was just kind of good. Yeah. So I, I liked it. It wasn't super amazing. It wasn't bad. Just kind of in the middle. My number 10 is Demon Slayer. A lot of the same reasons as Chainsaw Man. It's just a transition chapter. Worked a little better. The cliffhanger in particular, I think, is better than Chainsaw Man's. And it reads fine in the overall story, but nothing special as a chapter. Gotcha. My number nine was Hellworn. Cause mine too. <laughs> flashback chapter. We get some like there is some cool stuff going on, but it was like, oh okay. So this is some motivation stuff. Again, it was more I felt like other stuff went above it, not like this was just in the middle because it was good, not great kind of thing. So that's why that ranked. Uh so my number eight was Chainsaw Man. The power bit was funny, but again, not a super amazing chapter, not a bad chapter. So just other stuff went above it as opposed to it being down at the bottom. My number eight was Neolation because, like I said, this chapter made me feel feelings. I thought it was a lot closer, like I said, to the Neolation I don't like than the one that I really do. Yeah. Um, and it's super manipulative because you know that dead girl's going to die. And so when she does, it's exactly what you expect. But it did make, like I said, make me feel something. So I have to at least acknowledge that. It does suck in the overall story that, like, Neo's motivation is a dead girl, because that's really played out. Yeah. And, like, we see get to see Neo fail, at least, and we get to see him work really hard for his hacking, which, if we get more of that in the future, will make the series better. Yeah. But it goes middle of the list, because, like I said, it made me feel something, and that's what I'm here for, but it was nothing special. Yeah. I honestly think his motivation would be better if she was like in a coma. Yeah, or still alive. Yeah. Well, like I said, in a Which, coma. To be fair, she dies off screen in a way that she could be in a coma. It's totally possible, but that's just kind of like me wish listing. Yeah, like, and then she's still a dead girl. She's just a dead girl that's a trophy for him at the end of the series. Yeah, but if his like his secret motivation was to heal her so yeah. that he could be with her, so he's like, I'm doing this so that I like I picked this town to control so that I can get this pharmaceutical company or this, you know, whatever to fix her. And then, haha, my secret plan has been revealed. But it's just like, oh, he's fighting bad guys because that's what she wanted kind of thing. Also, they killed her kind of indirectly. Yeah. That, also, that terrorist is just the biggest, like, I am a movie villain, haha, asshole. Yeah. Like, oh, you have medicine? Allow me to throw it off this bus. Yeah. Haha. <laughs> Hey, I've got I've got this sick person here. Now you're gonna have to negotiate differently. Like what what makes you if she dies, it's on you. No, it's on you. I, I We none of us went on that bus and threw her medicine off. Yeah, like I I don't know how you're justifying this to yourself. So my number seven was Act Age. I did really like this chapter of Act Age. I liked the thing at the end, but I just thought some of the other chapters were better. My number seven was Black Clover, because like I said, it is a standard unit of shonen anime slash manga, I guess. You need a speech about never giving up and a character forgiving someone. Here it is. Yep. So my number six was My Hero. I like the 
Redesro, sorry, showing back up, and I like we're getting caught back up, but it's been over a month with no Izuku, so it's not like I'm, I'm getting withdrawal and I don't like these characters, but it's like, so are the heroes not even going to be in this arc at all? It does seem that way, huh? My number six is We Never Learn, because pretty decent We Never Learn, but also just We Never Learn. The wedding dress page was really funny and well drawn, but... Yeah. No, no, it didn't make me feel feelings, so... I got you. So, my number five was The Promised Neverland. I like this chapter. I like Emma and Ray kind of reconciling with all the kids, so just a really good chapter. Yeah, my number five is My Hero, basically for the reasons you put in yep. number six. Just, I did like the end a lot more, and I like that I like Tomura, and I'm more excited for where this series is going now, or I guess this story. Yep. I'm always excited about where this series is going, but... Yeah. So, my number four was The Last Sayuki. It was a really solid last Sayuki chapter. I like the bit where it starts off with Ryanosuke's friend getting eaten and him freaking out about it. And then the escalation at the end of like, oh, no, this isn't going to be a monster of the week. I'm here to kidnap her now. Yeah. My number four is Act Age. Again, because it made me feel feelings. I really like am interested in Ryoma and Hina and like that weird not quite love triangle because Yunagi refuses to be part of it. Yeah. And she's not interested in him. So. It's like a love triangle where she's looking the other direction. Yeah. And I'm real excited to see where this keeps going because, like you said, she doesn't have anything out of acting. So we'll yep. see if she, like, discovers a hobby. Yeah. So my number three was Demon Slayer. I really liked this chapter of Demon Slayer, even though it was still kind of transition-y. But I just kind of liked the, oh, the hero has succeeded, but not quite. And the demon, we're going to... I'm assuming we're going to get more motivation as to why he's this stubborn about it in his backstory. But essentially, his will to keep getting stronger makes him overcome his own death to the point where he is fighting on autopilot. So, like, clearly he's not able to make rational decisions like he was when he was actually in control of his body. But his body knows the spirit compass or whatever technique he was using. So it's just using that on autopilot and attacking things. Yeah. So I really liked it. My number three is Food Wars. It didn't, again, really make me feel anything. But that joke in the middle about like him being the protagonist for a second and that super protagonist splash page of like, yeah, all these people who helped me. Yes. It's a very good. So my number two is We Never Learn. I really liked this chapter We Never Learn. Thought it was funny. I I really liked that splash panel of all of the... Girls in his harem in wedding dresses. Yeah. And like you said, even with his his one uh, maid senpai ripping him even in his fantasy was yeah. pretty great. Yeah. Number two for me was Last Sayuki. I just really appreciate the, no, we're not going to have a status quo, we're going to move. Yeah. Aspect to it. Even though I liked Last Sayuki anyway and was fine with it settling into a status quo. This escalation is very nice. Yep. So my number one was Food Wars. I really liked the anime protagonist thing that Saiba got. And then the, hey, why did he get a two-page or a full-page splash thing like you're the main character or something? And like, we haven't even heard of these characters. Like, yeah. this is the first time we're seeing them. Yeah, how can we have any emotional investment in your backstory if we don't know who they are? And just the the turn on that and then the metaphorical sandstorm thing at the end with, Oh, I have surpassed Jurichiro because I may once I have beaten somebody, I'm able to take everything in stride. And someone being like, "Well, I had to work at it, so eventually I'm gonna surpass." Like his uh, 
thinking is like there's a lot of stuff that comes down to this but the it's even in we never learned the person who gets it in their first try will not be as good as the person who worked for it yeah. essentially so i i just really liked that uh so my number one is the promise neverland because i just really like that the promise neverland will take time to have these super emotional chapters that's just the characters talking yeah and just the interaction and i really like emma so yep emma focus chapter is nice uh, to be good. To be honest, nothing in this week really blew me away, though. No, like but Food Wars, very good chapter of Food Wars, but I feel like the top, not half of my list, but like the top six, or maybe even the top top seven, because I put Act Age up there, were all just really solid. So nothing super fantastical, but like it was a good solid chunk of Shona Jump. Yeah, I mean, I always have fun reading it, but. Some weeks you're going to get chapters and some weeks you're not. That's just the nature of uh, sequential storytelling. Yeah. Well, and that's also just the nature of if you're putting things on a ranking system, some will invariably be better. And because of that, some will be worse. Uh, And so speaking of better and worse, I guess, that brings us to what we read this week, which is Prince of Tennis. So, Prince of Tennis, uh, this was your pick, although it was kind of an obvious one if we're going to do sports manga for a month. Yes, but it was something that I've been wanting to read because I remember watching, I think literally it was like two or three episodes of Prince of Tennis. I was like, this seems kind of interesting, but then it was on at like weird hours and I didn't watch it and like missed an episode, lost track and never got back to it. So, this was kind of a, oh, hey, this is a chance to get back into Prince of Tennis. I'm going to grab it. Yeah, so up front, I want to say that I find the art and prints of tennis hard to follow at times there are some really good motion lines on the tennis ball that make the serves and the hits feel really really powerful mm-hmm. and give a good indication but a lot of times it feels like we're not seeing the main action or it's drawn a little weird like there's a bit early on where Ryoma, the main character is returning a volley but it looks like the ball has already passed him when he hits it and so it makes it look like he's hitting it behind him instead of returning it and there's just lots of really weird moments on that where I'm like, okay, so what happened here specifically? Really? I didn't get I didn't feel that at all. I I was very easily able to follow what was going on and what they were trying to show. So I I don't know if that was just maybe I just got it more or you were struggling with it, but I I did not have any trouble following the action and I actually really liked the depiction of the action. Like you said, I liked the motion lines on the Tennis balls gave a good indication of what was going on, and I found it fairly easy to follow. Also, in contrast to Slam Dunk last week, this is much more about tennis. Yes. Obviously, it's about the main character, but all we really know about him is he's very good and focused on tennis. Yes. To an almost extreme degree. Yeah, so this is much more of a sports manga than Slam Dunk, at least felt for the first bit where it was more focused on the character who happens to play basketball this is tennis being played by Ryoma Ryoma I cannot pronounce his last name Ryoma E (laughs) yeah Ikizen Ikizen that's what I'm going with something like that 
So I'll be honest, the first chapter really didn't do anything for me. Yeah, not super fantastic. We get a point of view character who is Sukuno Ryuzaki. She is a girl that's Ryoma's age. They end up in the same middle school. Yep. And Ryoma has just moved here from the United States. I guess just moved back to Japan from the United States. Yeah, his family used to live in Japan, moved to the States, and now moved back. And he's going to some tennis tournament where he is entered in the 16 and under bracket, even though he's only 12, and there's a 12 and under bracket and a 14 and under bracket. Yes. But she gives him bad directions to the tennis court, and he ends up disqualified from his match. Yep. But there's a bully asshole who challenges him to a tennis match because Ryoma kind of pokes fun at him. Yep. And Ryoma just schools him and plays the entire match right-handed, even though we learn at the end he's actually left-handed. Dun-dun-dun. Yep. Which I think, if you're going to pull that reveal, maybe do it in a more dramatic moment. Yeah, but it wasn't super... I, I like the action of the tennis thing. Like, Ramos even was able to beat these guys even when eventually they were... Since they were calling their own outs. That it was just like, yeah, that's out when he was hitting it towards the baseline. Yeah, and there is a bit in the end where he's like, oh man, I'm not going to lose to a kid. And he starts, like, falsely calling the ball out when it was actually in. Yep. But... The like, girl's grandmother is a tennis coach, and she comes in and is like, well, it's just technically a friendly game of tennis. You're allowed to call your own outlines. Yep. But that's also just read as weird and petty to me because he's like, oh, this is about my pride. I can't lose to this kid. So I'll cheat. Yes. And like all my friends are here helping slash watching me cheat. So who is he cheating for? It's not like there's, is he going to tell this story about how he beat this kid? He can tell that story even if he I- doesn't beat the kid. Who's going to call him on it? He seemed like a petty enough dude. I mean, there are some other people there. Yeah, but they are, like, in on it with him. Most of them, yes. So And, like, the ones who aren't can also clearly see that he is cheating. Yeah. So the first chapter just didn't do anything for me. As it went on, I did start liking it a bit more once he was actually in school and we start getting introduced to more people. Yep. Like your tip, like you would expect from Shonen Anime. He goes to this super tennis-focused school. It's not, like, quite, like, Totsuki Academy level. It's no. just they have a very good tennis team. But that's actually just the Japanese thing. Like, even the one kid mentioned, like, I went to a school known for its tennis. That's it's true. Just, like, people do that here. There, are, It's not usually at the high school level, but definitely at the at the college level. You're like, this college has an amazing basketball team. So I went to go play basketball there, and tons of the people there are going to be super interested about basketball because the school's known for it. But- so just at... In Japan, at the high school level, you will have academies that are like, we are the tennis, like, we're the number one tennis academy kind of thing. Sure, but that's exaggerated to an even greater degree in shonen manga. It is. Again, it's, but this is more realistic than, say, Food Wars, where it's just a cooking school. Yes. Like, he has to go to school and learn things, and we see a little bit of that. And tennis is afterwards. Yes. Although, most of what we see is just the tennis stuff. Yeah, again, it's about the tennis stuff, not about him being in school. The second chapter has a kind of smaller story about some of the upperclassmen conning the seventh graders by filling a can full of rocks and charging them to take swings at it. Yes. Again, it didn't do much for me either. No, but it is the introduction of one of the starters on the team who's kind of like incognito or he's because Ryoma doesn't know who he is. Yeah, Takashi Momoshiro, who most people just call Momo. Yep. So he challenges Ryoma to like kind of a friendly game. And so we see 
Ryoma playing against this starter to kind of set like, well, Ryoma's, I mean, we all knew Ryoma's really good at tennis, but this is kind of like, well, we saw him beat some random scrub who was willing to cheat in a friendly tennis game. Now we're going to see him play against somebody who's a starter for the team that's won like five years in a row kind of thing. Yeah, the thing about this entire volume is Ryoma is never playing fair matches. Like, he's established as, you know, ridiculously overskilled. He's that archetype of character. Yes. And so rather than hitting early on a point where he needs to improve, the author just keeps throwing more and more ridiculous challenges at him. Ridiculous isn't quite the right word. It's not like there's anything overbearing, but he's always kind of playing at a handicap. Yeah. Or in this match, it's kind of the reverse, we find out, where he plays the entire match right-handed. Yes. Until, and he can do what's called a twist, which is basically just the ball bounces in a weird way when he serves, usually right into someone's face. Yeah. And Momo, like, makes him serve first and is like, hey, just hit me with it right away. And we see him adapting to the twist. Yep. And that's his whole plan is he wants to do it. But once he does, Ryoma switches over to his left arm. Yep. And Momo just is like, nah, I am going to surrender. You win. Yep. And we find out he had an ankle injury the entire time. And like Ryoma realized that right away. And that's why he was playing. Right. handed. Handi- yep. Yeah. Like he handicapped himself in this one as opposed to the others where it's something forced on him, which I do like that. Like he is interested in fair competition and that's why he did that. Yeah. And I like the level of observation. So this chapter I like a lot more than the other earlier ones. We also find out some other stuff here. The girl who gave him bad directions has been inspired to join the girls' tennis team because of him. Yep. And also the starting... Her grandmother is the tennis coach for the school, so that probably had something to do with it. Yeah, but I assume that this is what has actually inspired her to do it. I assume there's been some pressure on her the entire time, but now she actually wants to. And also, because this is shown in anime, I guess shown in manga, again, I always make that... Yeah term the starters are decided by a tournament every month you have to play a tennis tournament every one month to get a starting position which is a nice like first arc yes setup well as silly as that sounds that's literally what i did for track and field like every meet as a before every meet essentially we would have a little mini competition to see who was going so huh okay yeah like that that literally happened now for most other sports that doesn't happen but yeah like a tennis tournament is a lot more involved than a track and field meet, right? Mostly, yeah. I'm essentially we would just have like competition. So like, like you're you're right. The tennis tournament is harder, but the big thing is at least for high school sports over here, there's a lot more politics involved into who's the starter. It's kind of like who the coach likes. This being, this is why, and they even mentioned this is why the the school does so well is they literally have tournaments so that the best players are going or are the starters for the team kind of thing. So. It's essentially, this seemed like an all-day thing, but since they only do it once a month, it doesn't seem that involved to do. I mean, it's probably over a cu- the course of a couple days, I assume, but... Maybe. It depends on how many people are in the tournament. Like, I think there was only, like, 16 people in the tournament, and they have, like, four courts, so they're able to go through the matches fairly easy. Like you said, maybe it's over the course of... I think it's because they're like, this is my last match of the day, he says at one point. So I assume that... Oh, yeah. It, so it might be like over a weekend. Like, yeah. All right. You know, it's the first weekend of the month. We're going to hold the tournament. That's not something ridiculous to think of. Like it is, again, we're doing a tournament arc, but I guess since it's going to be tennis, it's going to be a lot of tournament arcs. Yeah, I assume so. <laughs> it's sports. You got to do, I think, more of that. Yes. So anyway, there's this asshole eighth grader named Arai who's just like 
a stand-in bully guy. Again, this didn't do much for me. Yeah. Um, I get the feeling that if I was a young Japanese boy frustrated with like my senpais and how much authority they had over me, this might be more cathartic. But yep. here he just comes out as like the typical bully guy. And yep. he wants to like humiliate Ryoma because he's a jerk, I guess. Well, Ryoma has also kind of humiliated him just a little bit. Like just to him personally, like not in front of a group of people. So he's like, I can't let this seventh grader get uppity. So I've got to humiliate him in front of everybody. So what he does is he notices Roma has three rackets in his bag because tennis is his life. So he hides them. And then he's like, oh, hey, man, let's have a friendly match. Oh, you don't have a racket? Well, here, you can use the spare. And he hands him this old dust covered, mostly broken one. So it takes two hits for Ryoma to get used to the racket because he's very good at tennis. Again, this is another one of those like handicap matches I talked about. Yeah. That just he's always thrust into. And of course, he starts to win as soon as like he gets used to it. Yeah. And I did like at one point the some of the other starters were noticing Ryoma and being like a master painter can paint with any brush. Like it's not the racket that makes a tennis player. Yeah. And I do like that bit. It's just. Like I said, it's more of the same, I kind of feel. Yeah. But this does cause the captain to kind of notice the match, and he's like, well, they broke the rules, so they're all going to have to run laps. But he puts Ryoma in the tournament. Yes. And then the last chapter is just the kind of start of the tournament. Ryoma beats his first two matches off camera. Yep. And it's just set up for the third one, which is obviously going to be a tougher match. It's against one of the starters named Kaido. Yep. And that's pretty much all there is to it. Also, he, there's this cute scene where he's passing by the girl and she's like, oh, I, I kiss like I saw him do it, but I don't know how to do a swing. And he's just like, you need to bend your knees. And he's like, oh, thank. Also, all these things are wrong. Yeah. He's like, oh. You've got it's like your balance is off. Your elbows are too far out. Your hips are wobbling. She's like, oh, your hair's too long. yeah, I feel like now we're going to start getting to matches that actually matter. Like this was kind of set up into this kid is really good, but I don't think at least. I got. I hope it's not just he's going to breeze through all of his matches. Like now that he's playing actual starters who are like actually skilled, he's going to, even if he ends up winning against a lot of them, he's going to be challenged in them as opposed to just effortlessly winning all of his games. Certainly, the series has momentum and it does feel like it's building to that. But this whole first volume feels not quite like prologue, but just a bunch of the stuff kind of repeated and it just didn't do anything for me the first time. Yeah. So keeping going with it wasn't great. I am at least curious about volume two, but where a slam dunk, I really, really liked it a lot more than I was expecting. This is just kind of some sports stuff, I feel. No, yeah, it was, I'm not saying this was my favorite thing ever. and I'm not a huge fan of sports things, but this is at least like, all right, this is interesting. And it makes me go like, yeah, maybe I'll sit down and watch the anime because that will take less time than reading the volumes. Probably. All right, so anything else you want to say about Prince of Tennis? No, I don't have any other stuff to add. All right, so all that's left then is to rank Ryoma on personality power level. Vegeta, what does the scouter say about his power level? Personality power level is our list of manga characters from the best to the least interesting. At the top, we have Izuki Midoriya, a.k.a. Deku from My Hero Academia. At the bottom, we have that guy who isn't Yamcha from that time I got reincarnated as Yamcha. And then in the center, we have Sakuragi Hanamachi from Slam Dunk. So I definitely think he's worse than Sakuragi. Yeah, I was going to start with Goku, who's one above 
Sakuragi, but because they're in the same mold. But yeah, he's definitely worse than. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to go immediately to him because we're doing kind of sports. Makes sense. Stuff. He might have a personality later on, but right now his personality is good at tennis. Also, you don't really have any characters in like the overwhelming protagonist mold below Hanamachi. I guess Asta's the closest. I don't think he's as good as Asta. No. Or Ichigo from Bleach, who's kind of a different mold, but I don't think he's as good as him either. No. Like, really, the only thing we've seen him do is like be good at tennis and be not aware of anything that isn't tennis. So, like, the only reason he acknowledged, well, we get that little, there's a little bit where the girl talks to him and he's like, wait, who? And then we see him at his house and he goes, oh, yeah, that girl. Like, he remembered it at home, but while he was in tennis mode, he couldn't remember her. So, going down to characters that I guess we find kind of boring, long time bottom of the list, Hari, Haruhi Fujioka from Oran High School Host Club. How do you think he compares to her? I think he's better to Haruhi. Like... I literally did not care about Haruhi, and at least Roma has good at tennis, and he doesn't seem, he's not super arrogant about it. Like, he's got some confidence and arrogance in his stuff, but, like, when he was playing that one guy who was injured, he handicapped himself. And when he's standing up to the bullies, even at one point, they were talking about one of his matches, and he's like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I could beat that guy. Like, he has at least some understanding of, like, well, I mean, I'm good, but that doesn't mean I'm better than everyone else. Now, that doesn't mean I won't step up to the challenge, but I'm not going to arrogantly walk into this and be like, yeah, I could beat you with any racket, what, whatever. So, still in kind of boring town, how do we think he compares to Shinichi from Parasite? I like Ryoma more than Shinichi. Okay. I don't know, I don't know about from, like, a character standpoint, but, like... Like, good at, at tennis person, is, like, a thing you can tell stories with so yes. i think that he probably does go above sunichi i have a feeling i know right where he's going how do you think he compares to sora from no game no life yeah i, I definitely like sora better yeah okay so ryoma will go at number 19 above sunichi and below sora and that does it for this week join us next week when we read something that i'm actually kind of excited for something i've always wanted to read personally which is i shield 21 which i've heard pretty good things about i have not heard anything about okay so i guess we will Talk about that next week. In the meantime, www.lastpodcast.com is our website. That's where you can see the personality power level list as well as join our Discord if you'd like to talk to us or just leave comments. You'll also find my other two podcasts there. Last time on Video Games, where we just did an episode on Sega Bass Fishing, a surprisingly good game, as well as It's a Gundam, which is back on a mostly weekly schedule now, and we're getting to the very, very good part of Gundam Seed, so if you're at all curious, I recommend you check that show out. Our opening theme is Fighting Against One's Will by Midair Machine. Our closing theme is A Psychic Fist Fight by Tom W. Emerit. And other music is by Spectacular Sound Productions. And our album art is by Kate Wind on Davian Art. Kevin, is there anything you'd like to plug this week? Not this week. All right. We'll see you next week. Stop.